Welcome to Jim Galliano's Building a Better Web Presence podcast. Build something better with less moving parts, less overhead, and less headaches. Hey everyone, this is Jim Galliano. I'm glad you're here with me today. Thanks for joining me for this week's podcast episode. Today is September the 21st. And this past weekend was the first time since the summer began, and summer begins early here in Florida, at least temperature-wise. And this is the first time this past weekend that I noticed a change in the temperature where I live. I live here in southwest Florida in Sarasota, and during the night times, most of the time throughout the summer, the AC is running, sometimes all night long. And that just gives you an idea of how hot and how humid it can get here in Florida. But it's finally getting a little bit cooler here. And even if you enjoy the hot weather, it's a welcome change. I think that change is a good thing. If you're used to cold weather all the time, I think you really get to appreciate the warmer weather. And if you're used to warm and hot weather, I think sometime that even if you're not a cold weather fan, the feelings that come or the temperatures that come with, uh, with a fall season, it's also a welcome change. Now today, I want to share with you some thoughts on the tools that you can use to automate and scale your online business with. And if you have an offline business, of course, you're gonna have online tools that you use also, so some of these things could also help you with that kind of business too. Now, one thing I wanna say, if you're just getting started, I really believe that a new business can have advantages here in some ways that an established business doesn't. And what I mean by that is, you can get a lot of things right right from the start if you have a little bit of guidance. If you have someone that knows what they're talking about, helping you, guiding you, teaching you. Once a business, however, is more established, you're busy, you have all kinds of things going on, switching from one system to another, whether it's in part of the business or in several areas of that business, without dropping the ball, it can be a little bit stressful. For example, in my own experience, switching from one billing system to another, maybe it looks easy on paper, but then in reality, you find out that it isn't. Now, sometimes things really are as easy as exporting data on one system while importing it to another. If you're switching email uh, marketing systems, 99 out of 100 times, that's how easy it can be. Some things, thankfully, really are cut and paste simple, but many times... Something that you think may be cut and paste simple ends up requiring a complete manual rebuild. Now, I don't want to say that it's going to take you months and months and months to do certain things manually. But yeah, it does take sometimes several hours of time and effort. And usually that follows the time and effort that you thought it would take to just do it manually. In other words, or excuse me, automatically. In other words, you think you're going to do something very simply and then you spend two and three hours over a course of several days trying to figure out why this easy conversion isn't happening the way you thought it would be. And then you finally just say, you know what? If I would have just done this manually, I would have had the job done by now. And I've experienced that a few times when it comes to changing uh, billing software. Other times, I've, you know, if if you have a new accountant, they may only be familiar with one kind of software I know many accountants out there will actually install the software for you, buy you a license, simply so it's easier for them to manage the bookkeeping and accounting side of your business. But anyway, before we go on any further with this, 
Today's episode is brought to you by jimsnewsletter.com. This is the home of the Digital Strategist Newsletter, which is my free monthly marketing newsletter. I really think you'll enjoy it, so be sure to sign up for it if you haven't already. All of the back issues are also available on the website as well. You can check them out if you'd like before subscribing. And OneToManySystem.com, which is the home of the marketing system that you can use to transform and grow your services-based business. When you finally come to a place where there just aren't enough hours in the day, you'll be ready for the training that's available right now at OneToManySystem.com. Okay, so back to what I was saying, I want to talk to you a little bit about the tools that are available that can help you save time as well as automate and scale your online business. I know we've talked about the concepts before, but I want to get into a little more detail today. Let me just interject something here that I think is important to this topic, and that is I know a lot of times people look at their business or look at their skills and they think that what they basically have is more or less complete and they're just looking to increase the number of clients or customers that they're serving. But a lot of times the issues why their business isn't growing and why they're struggling is because there are certain aspects that are missing that if those missing pieces were in place, it would create a completely different outcome. So I know for myself, I would say like 20 years ago, if I found myself struggling, my default response to that would be, I need to get better at whatever it is that I do. Maybe I need to become a better designer or a better coder or a better strategist or any one of those things, whatever is the foundation of your own business. Sometimes you think that your income will rise to the level of your skill. But historically speaking, that's just not the case. There are plenty of talented people who struggle. There are plenty of talented developers and designers and freelancers who are being surpassed by people much less talented than them, who have much larger followings and all the way down the line. And, and why is that? Well, I believe that when a talented person isn't succeeding, and contrary to popular opinion, this is my belief anyway, I don't think it really takes a whole lot of talent in the online space in the way that people think, think it does in order to stand out. For example, I think that, or my opinion is, is that many of the problems that people are experiencing aren't directly tied to their level of talent, but more or less to their inability to manage a business properly. So in other words, business in a lot of ways is a skill just like any other skill. So you may be super at social media because your weakness lies in the area of business and organization, you find it difficult, if not impossible, to grow. So that's the context that I'm looking at these things like when we talk about scaling and growing and automating and all those what are quickly becoming catchphrases. The problem with catchphrases is, is that when we hear them X number of times, our eyes kind of glaze over and we think, oh, that again, and we kind of turn off. And there's some golden nuggets of truth in there that we miss. So I don't want you to miss anything today. I want you to really make purpose to look at this topic with a fresh set of eyes. Listen to what I'm saying with a uh, renewed sense of getting the information that really can help you specifically, no matter what kind of business that you have right now. Now, quick analogy. 
I used to use boxing analogies all the time in this podcast, and I kind of got away from that. But one just came to mind, which is a perfect example of a talented person who kept suffering setbacks after they got to a certain point in their career. So, you know, sometimes people teach themselves because they have natural talent and they think that their education is more or less complete because their skill gets them to a certain level. But if they don't have good coaches or trainers, what happens is they develop bad habits and those bad habits can sometimes affect them, not immediately, but down the line. And it kind of caps off their ability to grow or rise uh, any higher or go any any further. And that's what separates professionals who go far from those who don't. Now, again, the fight game is a great example of this because there were boxers over the years who excelled greatly early in their careers, but they were excelling against weaker opposition. And it was just assumed that they would be able to, quote unquote, scale their careers accordingly as they stepped up in competition because the experience would just make them better and better at things they were already good at. But because they didn't have the proper trainers or training, they failed once they stepped up their competition. There's a great example of this. A fighter now retired, his name uh, is Vladimir Klitschko. If you're a boxing fan, you're familiar with that name, the Klitschko brothers. The uh, younger brother, Vlad, spelled W-L-A-D. Both of them live in Ukraine now. I think they were both involved in the politics of everything that was going on there too, but that's another story for another time. Anyway, he was a um, long-reigning heavyweight champion. He started his career back in 1996, and he had all the tools to be a great fighter. He was six foot six. He had an 81-inch reach, and he blew through his competition the first few years of his career. And then one day he faced a guy that was considered to be just another stepping stone on his way to the championship. And both of them, I believe, had 24 fights or 24 wins at the time. But the his opponent had 11 losses and a draw, whereas he had no losses. And out of his 24 wins, 21 of them came by way of knockout. So unfortunately for Klitschko, three things happened against this opponent. His opponent's name was Ross Purity. Ross Purity, P-U-R-I-T-T-Y, if you want to look this up, if you're a boxing fan. Now, the first problem was... He couldn't knock Ross out because he had a good chin. Now, there's a lot of fighters that are called journeymen, and they grow their careers on being opponents for fighters on the way up. And what makes them valuable to a promoter is they're hard to knock out. They're hard to stop. And so if this fight is scheduled for 10 rounds, more often than not, the fight's going to go the distance, and the fans feel like they get their money's worth. If there's a knockout, the other guy who's fighting usually has to really earn it <laughs> and so in that instance again the fans get a are happy with the um, level of entertainment with the price of admission so this guy had a great chin and Klitschko couldn't knock him out the second problem he faced was that he punched himself out over the first 10 rounds trying and when you know if you get tired I'm sure most of you have never put on a pair of boxing gloves before and tried it out, but from the amateurs to the pros and everyone in between, the, the tiredness is an enemy. Fatigue is an enemy because when you're tired, it's very difficult to defend yourself. It's kind of like walking in a fog while someone's trying to put your lights out. So um, over the first 10 rounds, he punched himself out, and when the 11th round started, he could barely even walk. 
<laughs> let alone uh, defend himself. But the final problem was that he never learned how to tie up an opponent and clear his head when he did get hurt. So he had those three things going against him going into the 11th round and he was stopped. So he recovered from that loss, but unfortunately he went back to the same type of pattern. And and isn't this something that a lot of us do? Don't a lot of us have setbacks? And then when we recover from the setback, failed product launch, failed business idea, whatever it happens to be, failed course, then we turn around and we make something different, but we keep we follow that exact same pattern and we do things the same way. Different day, different opponent, but the pattern is identical. That, and that's what Klitschko did. He recovered from the loss. He got back to his winning ways until 2003. Now, that's five years later. Now, he learned a lot in this time, but what he didn't learn caused him to get knocked out in the second round against another club fighter, another journeyman named Corey Sanders. Once again, he gets hurt in the middle of the round and he didn't he never learned how to tie up his opponent long enough to clear his head. And he was knocked down about four times before the referee finally stopped the fight. Now, you got to get credit when somebody gets knocked down that you get back up again and then get knocked down again and get up again and again and again. That takes guts. Klitschko, however, refused to quit, but unfortunately, a year later, the same thing happened again. Another knockout loss. And it was then that he finally turned to Hall of Fame boxing trainer Emmanuel Stewart. Stewart was the Hall of Fame trainer. He passed away several years ago. He turned a lot of careers around. And what he did was he taught Klitschko not only how to survive when he got hurt in the ring, but how to take advantage of all of his natural gifts and how to build a career out of all of the all of his natural assets, not only the things that he was already good at, but how to kind of take a closer look at the things that he wasn't so good at and not only improve those areas, but put systems in the form of strategies in place to protect those weak areas. And I think we're all the same in that respect. Isn't it true that no matter what it is that we try to do, we've never done it before. Isn't it true that we all have weaknesses that challenge us at certain points in our journey? And isn't it true that there's certain areas that, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, that area will never be a strength, but it doesn't have to be a liability. There are systems that can be put in place that can compensate for the fact that those are just really weak areas for us. I know for a lot of business owners, time management is just, it's not an asset. It's not an asset. It's not a skill that they're ever really going to master. However, it doesn't have to be a liability. There are certain processes and certain tools that can be put in place that won't make that, again, a liability in their business life going forward. So some things we can fix, some things maybe not so much, but this was what Emmanuel Stewart was good at. And what? how does the story end? Klitschko went undefeated for the next 11 years. It wasn't until he was well past his prime. He was still good, even past his prime, but he lost to Tyson Fury. If you're familiar with um, boxing, you know who Tyson Fury is. But today, looking back on his career, he holds several historical records, including the longest combined world championship reign in heavyweight history with 12 years holding the title, the most beaten opponents and wins in heavyweight title bouts, 
23, I think it was, 23 wins or 25 wins, somewhere in there. He had the most wins in unified title bouts. He had the longest championship reign, um, 14 consecutive title defenses. He has the second most successful title defenses in his record, 23 altogether, uh, behind Joe Lewis, who has the most at 25, and ahead of Larry Holmes, Muhammad Ali, and a lot of other fighters. And so why do I tell this story? Because one of the reasons why I enjoy the fight game so much is because it is such a microcosm of business and life. If there is any example of the solopreneur life, it is the fighter. Because even though he has other people around him, everything comes back to him. Or in some cases, her, if it's a woman fighter, everything the fighter does is magnified in terms of wins, losses, and where they go from there. And when you suffer losses and setbacks, it's just so easy to think that maybe you're not good enough. And quitting is just so easy. And emotionally speaking, it even makes sense at times. Unfortunately, quitting can become habitual. It's tougher, however, to look at what you're doing and ask yourself questions like, what do I have to do to learn? And what do I have to do to avoid having these kind of setbacks and losses occur again and again and again? Because once you see the pattern, I think that at that point, it's impossible to unsee. And some of you, and this, is, I'm not, this isn't a put down, but you're locked in a pattern. It's a different time. It's a different year, but it's the same old pattern. And don't you want to overcome that? Don't you want to break through that wall finally? You know, having the right trainers in your life can make a huge difference too. They can shorten the learning curve for you. Yes, you can be self-taught too. You can use books or courses or any other kind of training that are designed to help you go through at your own pace. I mean, probably, I guess we could have taught ourselves when we were children if we had the tools available, how to read and write on our own. But having a, a decent teacher available made it much easier for us. Isn't that true? And I mean, if I had to learn to write on my own, it probably would be even less legible than it is now. But, you know, I got graded. I had to pass tests. I had to learn. There's certain things that we had to learn. And it's no different. It's no different in your business life. There's certain things that you absolutely positively have to learn because the skill set that you that you currently have, your ability to do whatever thing that is that people pay you for, that's not the complete business. That's one aspect of the business, but there's other aspects of it, too. So. Uh, one of the things I focused on throughout the many episodes of this podcast is the process of building a better kind of online business. And you know how I define better kind of online business if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time. Less moving parts, less overhead, less headaches. But beyond that, when we get down to the nitty gritty details, it's the kind of having the kind of business model that you're best suited for because many of you aren't suited to have employees or to lead teams of people ongoing. You can do it for a certain amount of time, but after a while, it will suck the life out of you. That's why the digital agency world has been such a bad fit for so many people. They get out of actually doing agency work, and then they kind of go to the next stage where they teach people who are just starting out how to do it. And believe me, I understand that. I've gone through having done this for over 20 years. I understand the pressures and the, and the anxieties and everything that comes with it from firsthand experience. But there are so many options that are available now to a solopreneur and freelancer that weren't avail available in the past. You really can have a business that has fewer moving parts and a lower overhead today in a way that you couldn't have had even five years ago. 
Now, it's one thing to hire someone to do a task that you don't want to do. And it's another thing to have an ongoing payroll because you don't have any other choice. Now, all that said, let's get back to the basics of building an online business and being in a position to scale it when success comes your way. So scaling is part of and growth is part of the business side of whatever you're doing because whatever doesn't grow dies in the business world. Now, there are going to be ups and downs, but you can see trends forming. And I admit there were times where my business was trending downward. And these thoughts came, especially when I was going to bed at night, that what happens if this downward trajectory continues? And I was worried about, um, I was operating based out of fear, I guess you could say. I was afraid that if I'm not keeping my clients happy, that they're going to leave. They're going to find someone else. And at the time, I wasn't really sure what it was that they wanted. Everything was moving so quickly. There were just so many hats that I was wearing at the time that I, too, got to the point where I was close to being overwhelmed. But today, today we can launch a business that's designed to be scaled right from the start. So let's say you have a business that's making 20000 a year. It could be any number. I'm just picking 20000 And it's just you, a business of one, one person. You can have technology systems and processes in place that can turn that twenty k into forty k without needing to replace the tech, without needing to replace the tools, and without needing new processes in place. That's what I mean by, by scale. It works like by multiplication, but the foundation is strong enough in that 20K business that when it becomes a 40K business or a 60K business or a $100,000 a year and up, a six-figure business, little to nothing has to be changed as far as the tools and the processes go because they were put there in the beginning with that in mind. Think about any kind of skyscraper that exists in the world. The foundation is designed before the building is ever built to be able to support that kind of a structure. Well, the same analogy holds true in business. The same analogy can be applied to any kind of success. There is a foundation that needs to be in place. And if any part of that foundation isn't stable, it can affect the final product, maybe not immediately, but maybe several years down the line. And that's true for individuals and the skills that they have and the game that they play. And it's true for companies, regardless of the size of the company. Now, it's true that some systems will cost even more money uh, on a month-to-month basis when you have more people that you're serving. A simple example of this is if you have a mailing list of 100 people in January that grows to 5,000 people six months down the road, you'll probably be paying uh, more for those additional people, But uh, regardless of whatever kind of email system that you're using. But it's not going to probably affect your bottom line or impact your bottom line in a negative way. It's not like the other expenses that you might have if you had a traditional kind of business and let's say you had to buy more warehouse space. And you could buy it at the last minute and you know all the things that come with having a high overhead type of business. Now, this is a good place to segue into some thoughts that I have on a few of the tools that are out there right now that can make life a whole lot easier for you. So let's start looking at some of the functions or functionality many online businesses would require today. First, we have project management. Keeping all of your files, information, and correspondences relating to ongoing projects may or may not be an issue for you. For example, a lot of people just use email plus a few other tools to get the job done. 
But when you have multiple projects, this can present us with quite a few problems when it comes to keeping organized. Project management software was created to tick a lot of the boxes when it comes to starting, managing, and completing projects efficiently without wanting to pull your hair out. Invoice creation. If you want to get paid, you'll have to have an invoice for your customers or clients at different points in the process, from down payments to recurring billing, along with the options to accept payments in various ways. Invoice creation software is a must. Next, we have things like estimate creation and proposal creation. What's the difference between an estimate and a proposal? I was thinking about that the other day. Well, a free estimate is generally reserved for a smaller job that's not going to be complicated. Sometimes it can just be two or three sentences sent in an email. If you're going to just do like if you have a simple repair that you're going to do or simple change you're going to make, a proposal is more detailed as far as the scope of the work and the cost. I don't even use proposals personally anymore. I just go right from the estimate to the contract. And I've been doing it that way for the last decade. For the first 10 years of my business, I would create proposals and I would go from the proposal to the contract, which would basically be the same wording, but it would be structured a little bit differently. That's just the way I operate my business. Almost no one asks me for proposals anymore. People want to know what the bottom line is. However, depending on how you want to run your business, there isn't really a wrong or a right way. As far as that goes, should you have an estimate first, then go to a proposal, and then, or should you just start with a proposal and then go to a contract? However you want to do, you just have to make sure that the finished contract, which is another possible software solution, which you need, you know, you're talking about, do you want to have a proposal where someone can sign it digitally online, or do you want to use regular snail mail where you send it out to them? In the beginning, I used paper and ink contracts for just about everything. By the way, you do need the right kind of contract for whatever kind of business that you have. This is Contracts are just one of the areas where if you don't have everything written out, you can be the one left holding the bag after everything is said and done. I have an ironclad contract I've been using for over 20 years for much of the work that I do. And uh, if you want more information than that, just reach out to me. I'd be happy to uh, share my thoughts on that. Also, we have recording payments, recording expenses. So now we're looking into bookkeeping and accounting software. Maybe use an outside service to do that. Also, we have support systems. Again, just like the project management, sometimes people just use an email address and everything goes through that. But losing emails, accidentally deleting emails, or you can't find what you're looking for. Again, if you have a, uh, if you have a busy communication flow back and forth between multiple people, this can become overwhelming very fast. And this is why having the right support system in place can make all of the difference. The next thing is a knowledge base. I have mixed feelings about a knowledge base, just like I have the frequently asked questions that you post on a website and no one ever reads them, but <laughs> they just email you or they contact you and ask the same question that could have been found in a knowledge base or frequently asked questions. But it's another thing you may want to have available. Maybe you want to be able to assign tasks to people. That, again, would be in the project management area. Again, contracts. Maybe you want to send surveys out or track sales and goals or have your calendar set up so that you can be aware of the different appointments. And you have all of this different, all of these different types of 
functionality or email marketing is another good example of that. For all of these things that I've just mentioned, there is no shortage of software products and solutions available on the market for each of these things. The problem is, if you're only one person or even a two-person show, the number of options can be overwhelming to the point where it's very difficult to get started. And for those who do get started, you quickly find that it gets expensive if you're testing multiple solutions, trying out different products that promise to make your business life easier. There's just no shortages of any of these things on the market. How many types of software could you potentially buy to have all of the type of functionality, to have all of the functions available at your fingertips in your own business? Now, I know people have used tools like Microsoft Office along with Salesforce, combining a few different solutions together to make it happen, but it wasn't easy to set up, it wasn't cheap, and none of those products were put together I would say that they serve a general market, but none of those tools were designed for one type of market specifically, especially if we look at the difference between an offline business and company, which has been around for years, to the newer online business models, which are particular, especially to the last decade. So if you're a solopreneur and you're looking to strike the balance between simplicity and looking professional, where do you start? Well, the good news is, is that the latest generation of CRMs, which stands for Customer Relationship Management, also include what is known as client portals. So this is the kind of software that can make all the above possible. You can have one system that contains everything that I've mentioned in this podcast and more under a single login. The client portal aspect can really be a game changer, and I know many of you out there are looking for something that will give you an edge. And for myself, even though I've been in business a long time, I'm still always keeping up with the changes, how people are doing business today as compared to two, three, four years ago. So it's not that I have to be on the cutting edge of everything, but when I see something that I think can make a distinct difference, in the not-too-distant future, I really keep my eye on it. And Client Portal software is just one of these things. Now, if you just go and you search for Client Portal software, again, you're going to see a lot of options on the market. Many of them are quite expensive, but very few of them have what I consider to be the right combination of tools that serve both the business-facing aspect of running a business, or you might say what you're going to see behind the scenes, and the client-facing aspect of the business, meaning what your clients or customers will see and have access to. Also, very few of them have the ability to be configured in such a way that they fit your business more or less like a glove. So you may not be familiar with the term client portal, but I'm guessing that you've already been exposed to a simplified version of the concept. Let me explain what I'm talking about. So for example, you can probably log into your bank account. They have a portal and you can move money around. You can pay bills. That's an example of a simple client portal. Not simple on the security side, but as far as the layout and the function goes. Or you can pay your electric bill online. I know here in the US, most of us have accounts where we can log in and we can see how much electricity we've used over the past 30 days or over the past year, maybe each of the billing cycles are broken down and we can go in there and pay bills. Or the cell phone provider probably has a portal of some kind where you can not only pay bills, 
but you can order other things like phone accessories, you can contact support, and more. All of these things are put together in a convenient portal that gives you a login and access to certain things. Now, imagine taking all of the things that we were talking about earlier, all the things that I mentioned, and having your own company portal where clients can log in and they can send you messages or they can share files with you or they can watch onboarding videos if they're new clients or they can schedule an appointment or they can view a contract and sign it digitally or maybe even a proposal or estimate. They could have access to that and accept or reject it. Maybe they can pay their invoices or their bill or subscribe to one of your monthly services or view a history of all of their past invoices or open a support ticket and even more. In other words, all of those things are on the client-facing side of the business. But on the business side, you can do everything. You can set up landing pages if you want. You can set up a learning management system inside that portal. It could be a paid system or it could be a free system that's totally up to you. You can manage your email marketing from there. If you have a bookkeeper, you can give them access to the bookkeeping section, but not access, let's say, to the support section. If you're working with individuals or subcontractors on a project, you can give them access to the project management part of the portal on the back end, but not to the other sections. The same thing if you want to have salespeople or just manage your own sales. So in other words, you can do everything under one roof, everything from a single login. Now there's two options that in closing I want to mention that can do all of the things that I've talked about in today's episode that I'm personally familiar with. One of them is a SaaS, meaning that you have a monthly fee that you pay. I believe it's about $100 a month, but the nice thing about this particular system is that every once in a while they have a lifetime deal that they offer. Now I've been using this for two years. It just keeps on getting better. It's called Sweet Dash. You can check it out at sweetdash.com. The second one is a script that you would install on your own domain. I also have this installed and I've been working with this. It's called Perfex, P-E-R-F-E-X, or Perfex, Perfex, P-E-R-F-E-X. It's a script that you buy one time. You can get it at Code Canyon, or you can just go to perfexcrm.com. Right now, it costs only $59. That's a one-time payment. Again, you can install this on your own server. And it will even work well, believe it or not, on a shared hosting type of setup. Also, it's supported by multiple developers who create modules to extend its functionality. So if you're just getting started with something like this, whether you use a SaaS-based service or whether you install the script yourself, maybe you're at a place right now where you're only ready to use about 20% of what this kind of system has to offer. Like anything else, there's a learning curve, and that's fine. And then once you're comfortable, you can start using the other parts of the system. The thing is, a client portal can provide your prospects and your customers with a kind of professional, I don't know if maybe we can call this an above average kind of experience, but it definitely can brand you and your business in ways that are currently above and beyond what probably 95%, if not more, of your competitors are providing. All right, so wrapping it up, let me just say this. Now that you're aware that these kind of systems are out there, maybe you want to take the next step and try one or two of them out, see how you feel about them, see if this could be something that is in the future of your business, whether we're talking about the immediate future or the not-too-distant future. So that's about all for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think it will help a friend, please go ahead and share the episode link with them 
or send them to jimgalliano.com forward slash podcast. All the back episodes can be found there as well. Thanks again for listening. Have a great rest of your week, and I'll talk to you later.